we're in a series from the book of Jonah. Not what you remember as a kid, this little book packs a punch. Dive in with us as we continue our series when God's grace doesn't make sense. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Amen. I think every time I see that video, I, I don't know, I move to tears to think of God's grace at work in my life and so many people. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning um, we continue and actually we'll be concluding our series of, of messages from the book of Jonah. I've entitled um, this series, When God's Grace Doesn't Make Sense. When God's Grace doesn't make sense you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Jonah chapter four. Actually, we're going to begin Jonah chapter three, beginning of verse 10, the final verse there, and then work our Jonah chapter four. And um, again, Jonah chapter three, beginning with verse number 10. It is speaking of the Ninevites. They turned from their evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city altar sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his comfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to you to be angry about the plant. It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Do it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many Animal. This morning, I've entitled our message, The Problem with Grace. The Problem with Grace. And so we see Jonah to do for three days, he preached through the city of Nineveh that in 40 days, God's judgment was going to fall, destroying the city and all who were in God relented. Judgment did not come upon Nineveh. Just what Jonah was afraid of. And we might have thought at this point, end of story. But the story does not the way. Here's the way it seems to have taken place. And so Jonah is on a hillside. We read he's out Nineveh. And there he is. We read that he has built himself a little bit of a shelter. And I can just picture Jonah and his conversation with God. Okay, God, you know, here I am. I've done what you asked me to do for three days. For three days, what you asked me to preach, that in 40 days, judgment is going to come and the city is going to be destroyed. So, you know, I didn't want to do it. 
I really didn't want to do it in the, in the belly of a fish again. I didn't want to do it, but God, you forced me to do it. So, okay, no, God, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. And in the meantime, I'll just build myself this little shelter here, and I'm going to wait here for the, because I don't want to miss it. I want to see I want to see that place go up in smoke. Well, a few days later, a few days later, and he looks out over the city. Wait a minute. What's going on down there? I mean, are they sitting around in sackcloth and ashes? Is that the sound of weeping and wailing and repentance that I hear? That's not good. Well, you know what? I mean, God's not going to be suckered into, into, into forgiving these people. He's not going to be suckered into changing. His. After all, he wouldn't let people like that, cruel, evil, wicked, immoral people, get away with all the things they have done. No, no, no. There's just no way in the world God's going to let them off the hook. So come on, God. I'm going to sit here. I'm waiting to see the fire fall because I don't. Come on, God. Let's get the job done. Day 39. Day 39. Wow, God. Beautiful plant. I mean, what a beautiful plant. I mean, I mean, you, you, you realize I was getting hot out here, and I was beginning to, to get tired of the heat, and now you gave me this beautiful plant to give me some shade from the It really feels so good. And I always knew it, God. I always knew it, that I'm one of your favorites of me. And you got all kinds of good things from my life. You got all kinds of blessing from my life. After all, why else would you have said, you know it, you've got good plans and purposes for my life. And this, this plant here, it's a sign from you that I'm your favorite care of me. And by the way, I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait for tomorrow when the sparks are going to fly, are going to become smoke. Day 40. Hey, what's that munching that just woke me up? What's that sound? Hey, worm, worm, get out of there. What are you doing? I just got this plant yesterday. I mean, it's my reward from God. It's my sign that I'm one of his favorites, that he loves me, that he's going to bless me, that I belong to him. Wait a minute. Worm, you just killed my plant. You just stole my blessing. Then I can get out of this place. Come on, God. Today's the day. Send the fire. Destroy the city. Get those violent, immoral, evil people Give them what they deserve. Let a little Sodom and Gomorrah come to Nineveh. The day goes on. Just great. Just great, God. My plant is dead. The heat is beating down on my head. And the city is still standing. Just great, God. What in the world is going on here? What in the world am I doing? What more do I have to live for? Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was back home? This is what I tried to forestall. 
I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, abounding in love and slow to anger, and that you relent. Now, Lord, you know what? Take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. And regarding this plant and worm, God, so angry about that, too. I'm so angry, I'd rather be dead. Again, God, it's better for me to die than to live. For is this what you sent me here? You saved me? Is this why you spared my life just to taunt me by seeing my enemy spared and my life sent into ruins? I mean, I can't even have a little bit of shade out here in the desert after all I did for you, God, for you. Tell me once and for all, what's this thing about sparing these people? I mean, a few days of humility, prayer and repentance, and they can get out of it? They just get out of it? Is that what your grace is all about? Is that what your, your compassion you? This is why I was running from you in the first place, God. I mean, what's next? Well, one day I'll, I'll get to, there'll be a serial killer there or a Nazi? Or maybe I'll get to heaven and there'll be some radical Muslims or an abortionist or a gay rights activist. You, God, you know, I know how it works with you. A little bit of faith and repentance and they're in. Well, I'd rather die than see that happen. You see, God, that's the problem with grace. That's exactly what I don't like about it. It's too free. It's too easily dispensed. You see, people ought to have to prove themselves. People ought to have to work a little bit to pay their way out of their deathbed stuff. People ought to pay for their sins. You see that? And God responds by saying, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who from their left and also many animals? End of story. End of story. No resolution. We don't learn what happens to Jonah next, nor what happens in the future. But the point has been made, which really becomes the point of the whole book of Jonah, of, that sometimes God's people really don't like grace. Because from what we might call a religious perspective, which we know we can all fall into if we're not careful. The first problem, grace is often extended to the wrong people. Grace is often extended to the wrong people. In Jonah's case, it was the Ninevites. For us, it can be anyone who doesn't seem to be people who are wreaking havoc on our world or those people who threaten our well-being and our existence. Listen, we might not say it because it doesn't sound too Christian. But there are times when you know in our own hearts we want justice more than we want mercy and grace. Jesus' parable about, we call it the parable of the prodigal son, which is really the parable of the elder son. 
For when the younger rebellious son or brother returns from him, the father receives him home with open arms. That is, the father shows him mercy and grace. The older brother is having a fit. His younger brother's return, we read this, that the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And we have to remember this parable was being told in response to the fact that the religious people were complaining about Jesus. They were saying this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That is, he's spending time with the wrong people, to the wrong people. And you see, that's the problem with grace, at least from a religious perspective, that grace is often offered to the wrong people. Grace is often extended at the wrong time, at the wrong time. See, religious people would say, sure, judgment, but there's a time and place for everything. And once you've crossed the line, it's crossed for good. See, we might, is it right for, and some of you might remember the son of Sam. Anybody remember son of Sam, David Berkowitz from, you know, the 1970s, right? Ask, well, is it right for the son of Sam, that serial killer, David Berkowitz, who after terrorizing New York City for a whole year and killing eight people, is it right for him to be able to repent and receive grace? As if you do a little research, you find seem to have happened. Is it right that paying his debt to society, that he would be able to receive the grace of God and be saved? After all, who wants to spend eternity in heaven with him? I'm a bit too late, or as we say, too little, too late. And what about those deathbed prayers? Isn't it a bit curse God earlier on in life? Should grace be extended to that person who spent his or whole life bringing misery and pain into the lives of others? Can't help but think about that three thief on the cross who died next to Jesus. For here was a man who, from the perspective of justice, was being right, be it in one of the cruelest ways. From his own lips, we know, he recognized that he was due judgment and punishment. And yet, as he calls to Jesus, just before his death, he receives grace as Jesus says to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. And some, is that fair? Is that just? After all the pain he had inflicted on others and on the society in which he had lived, should he be able to go to paradise with Jesus? receive grace in a moment like that. Oh, they live their life for sin and wickedness, and so on their deathbed, they cry out, oh, Jesus, save me. And a third problem with grace is this. Grace levels the playing field. Did you know that? Grace levels the playing field. Very first message from Jonah, but in Matthew 20, Jesus tells a parable of the workers, of the laborers, and he tells about a landowner who goes out 6 o'clock in the morning, men to come work in his fields, and he says, listen, I'll pay you a day's wage. You're going to work from 6 to 6, and you'll get your, your pay for the day. And that's fine. They do that. Well, then the landowner, he goes out again, and he hires some more workers at 9 a.m., at 12 p.m., at 3 p.m., and finally at 5 p.m., there's just one hour of the workday left. 
And at the end of the day, all the workers are called in from the field, and beginning with the last group, they line up to receive their astounding to everyone there, to each man, that each man, no matter when they were sent out into the field, they received the same pay. Those who worked 12 hours were upset that they had received the same wage as those who worked only a few hours, and even those who worked just one hour, some of us. Like, that's not fair. It didn't seem just and fair. And so they complained, saying, Last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. To which the landowner responded, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last. Don't I have the right to do what I want to with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? But you see, the truth is grace, because grace levels the playing field. That is, everyone stands on the same footing before God, and everyone receives the same grace and are what they have done or when it is they have entered the field. It's the very same gift of salvation. Oh, listen, our tendency, even as everything, to be just and fair. Have you ever heard your kids say, but it's not fair? And sometimes you're at work and something happens to someone. Not fair. But God doesn't always work based on justice and fairness. If that was the case, let me tell you, none of us, none of us could have ever received his gift of salvation. But rather, God responds the very same way to every person who will call out upon his name. But you see, from a religious perspective, the problem with grace is the playing field is level. Everyone receives salvation the same way. It's always based on grace. Finally, this morning, the problem with grace, and this really is the main point of the story of Jonah. Grace causes. Grace causes us to check our own hearts. As I mentioned in our first, first message, that looking at Jonah is like looking into a mirror. Looking in the mirror, oh, we say, oh, man, that's pretty good, huh? But there's a lot of times we look into that mirror, and we say, oh, my gosh, where did that come from, you know? Is that in the mirror? But you see, here's where we come to the point of the book of Jonah, the whole crux of the matter. For as we consider or see God's grace at work, we're forced to see what's really in our own hearts. But we have to ask ourselves, are we more concerned than we are with mercy and grace? Jonah was. Jonah wanted to see the enemies of God, those very cruel and violent people, come under the wrath of God. Justice. And whether we admit it or not, whether we realize it or not, we too can become much more committed to seeing the justice of God and maybe this is what Jesus was getting at when Jesus told us that we ought to pray for our enemies. Yeah, we need to pray for our children, but he says pray for your enemies. For he was calling us to pray for the Ninevites of our world. Praying for the mercy and grace of God to would give them maybe just a little bit more time to turn from their ways. Praying that God would withhold judgment just a bit longer and show them grace. The Apostle Peter says, listen, those of you who are doubting the return of the Lord, listen, don't think that God is slow in keeping his promise, but he's waiting, giving a period of grace that people might have an opportunity to turn from their wicked ways, to come to a place of repentance and call upon the name of
And yet how many times in our hearts and minds, we, 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 you know, we don't want to say it, but in our hearts and minds, it's really like about God, just get them. Jesus, come us, God. We need a little here. Are we more concerned with justice than we are with grace? Concerned about the well-being of our own people than we are with the well-being of lost people? See, Jonah wanted grace for Israel. Jonah come to his own people. He knew that Israel was headed in the wrong direction. I mean, he was a prophet. He knew that, that if they didn't turn from their ways, that God was, was going to bring judgment on them. But, but, I, right, but we, we, we kind of sense it here that Jonah was praying for, for time, for the grace of God for his people, grace for Israel, but he wanted their enemies to be destroyed. He knew Israel was God's chosen, and thus, well, in his mind, they took precedence over everyone. And listen, Church, we need to be very careful that we don't become hypocritical church people. Because here's what I've seen lands to reach those people, but God forbid they should show up at our doorstep. You see, there's a difference, and I've said it before, and maybe I'm going to get my... There's a difference between being patriotic, loving one's own nation, and wanting the best for it, and becoming nationalistic, wherein the good of one's own people takes priority over everyone and anything. Because, you see, God's heart is not like that. God is not nationalistic. He doesn't belong to, to, to England, to America, to Korea. He doesn't belong to Israel. But he's God over all people, and his heart is for the well-being and for the salvation of all people. We need to be careful. You see, this is what was happening to Jonah. We're looking in a mirror right now saying, you know what? Like, what do I see there? Am I so concerned with the well-being of my ear? that I've forgotten about the fact that there are people out there who need to know. The, the last question as we look into the mirror is this. Are we more concerned with our personal well-being and comfort than we are with the salvation of lost people? Jonah, at the end of chapter 4, Jonah was more concerned about his plant, the shade it gave him, the comfort he desired, than he was with the city before him. And their animals, God says. Can you imagine? God points out their animals. Like, God, what's that about, you know? But he says, listen, there's this whole city of people and their animals that are about to come under judgment and be destroyed. And rather than cry out on behalf, pleading with God to spare them, God, Jonah is crying out to God because of his plant. Come on out here. He's more concerned about his own well-being, his own comfort. Oh, I need a little shade. Oh, I want to go to the city of people that were about to be destroyed. And is Jonah all that different from us? I think not. Thing, do we not? We whine and we cry about our own lives, especially when we're facing hardship. Right? The little things that happen to us and Hearing and world problems. Oh, my, my phone went out and I can't text my friends. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe it's worse than that. I lost my job. I'm sick in my body. I got a bad report from the doctor. My life is just go on medication. I got to have surgery. So glad you're here this morning, Les, after surgery just a few days ago. And we're crying out to God about our own much more than we do for the lost people and the suffering people of our world. 
We're much more concerned with maintaining our and trying to figure out how to help those whose lives are marked by poverty, abuse, and violence. And when it comes to missions, hey, we start our missions convention next. And we think about our giving and our faith promises. Two weeks from now, we're going to be receiving our faith promises. And what goes through our minds? I know what happens. I do it too. We begin to calculate in our head this much, then how's that going to affect my monthly budget? Will I have enough to get all the Starbucks I want that month? What's it going to mean in terms of my comfort? And we somehow make sure that whatever is we pledge and whatever we give doesn't really impact our comfort level all that. When we see the grace of God at work, especially in people like the Ninevites, we're forced to look into the mirror and take a really clone hearts. And I just want to be transparent with you because I've had to, like, okay, so you come Sunday mornings, you've got to deal with Jonah, like, for, like, maybe, like, more than a month now. And, and every time I get back into the book, I feel like I'm being beaten up. Right? I know some of you guys, you go to your jobs and they beat. But I've had to ask myself these very same questions. And you know what I've come, I, I, I've come to understand? Like, I've got some problems with grace because I can't wrap my head around a serial killer or a former Nazi or a radical Muslim making it to heaven after all the pain they've inflicted on so many people. Like, I just can't. I don't know, some of you, you're much more spiritual than me. Oh, yeah, yo, that's just great, you know? But, you know, like, I'm asking myself, like, God, is this right? That they should be able to pray a simple prayer of repentance and get to heaven? I mean, I've been living my life for you, God, since I was like a kid. I mean, I remember being like eight years old and having this deep sense of God's me, just like he spoke to Samuel, you know? And I was always like, you know, I hate to say it, I was always like the good boy, you know? Like, I didn't really get into trouble all that much because I was the oldest. I got blamed for anything that went wrong with my siblings, you know? But really, I was like, I always wanted to be on the teacher's good side. Even now, I go to spin class. I want to be on the teacher's, the instructor's good side. I want to make people happy. I want to do the right thing. And then I think about, and here's someone who all their life, they didn't care about the right thing. They only cared about themselves. And, 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 and they brought so much pain on so many people. And then they can get to heaven just like I can go to heaven. Come on, church. You know what I'm talking about, right? Listen, when we're honest about it, we need to understand, yeah, you know what? We all feel in some way like Jonah did. We don't stop there, but we begin to pray. God, like, God, would you just give me a piece of your heart? Would you show me what your heart's all about? Because, listen, my heart, yeah, I want what's fair. But, God, will you really help me to understand what your grace is all about? But notice again how the book of Jonah ends. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? I wonder if God's not looking at our world today and looking at maybe the worst. I mean, the people that just like, man, they are so far lost. Listen, we have a lot of challenges as Christians, even here in our nation, with, with the way there's been these waves that are bringing so much immorality into our nation. And listen, if it was up to you and me, we'd just say, God, will you just stop it? Just zap them. No right from wrong. 
They don't have the Spirit of God at work in their hearts and in their minds. They're just going according to the flesh. They're just lost people, and they're animals. In the end, we see God expressing his concern over lost people. And that's it, story over. And so we find that the whole point of the book of Jonah really, I believe, is a revelation of God's heart. A revelation of God's heart. And so there's just two takeaways for us this morning. One is that we would understand God's heart is for all people and thus available for all people. How many of us would say amen? That God is concerned for lost people. His heart breaks over lost people. He yet loves people who like little wrong from right. And thus he's looking for whatever opportunity possible to show them grace. That's why we send missionaries, not to keep them over God's heart, saying there should be no one who, who, who's lost. We understand the Bible says, listen, where sin abounds, grace abounds so much. So you know what? Like as we see sin growing among us, we need to say, God, well, yes, sin is growing among us, but would you as well reveal your grace in a powerful way where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more. God's heart is for all people, and thus his grace is available to all people. And then secondly, God is calling his people to take on his, his own heart. He's calling his people. To move beyond being Jonah is no hero. Oh, I know we we you know we make our children's books and, and Jonah becomes the hero. Yes, go Jonah, go Jonah. Jonah was no hero unless he repents sometime at the end of this. Jonah is the one who's lost, not the Ninevites. Because Jonah took on this religious, and it's like when he's quoting, he's quoting the scriptures about God being compassionate and full of mercy and so forth. It's like he's using those words to mock God. Jonah's no hero. God forbid we should become a church full of Jonas. Amen, church? God forbid Jonah families. God is calling his people to take on his heart. Kim, if you come. One, one author wrote these words. Listen to them. They're, I think we have them for the screen here as well, right? Things are ever clear. He wants his world back, a world alienated from him by sin. His chosen people are commissioned to get the world back for themselves. And when the elect look more to their own protection, preservation, and rights and privileges, they are asleep in the whole, are scared to death. Listen, that's the call of missions, is it not? That he's chosen his people who were commissioned to get the world back for him. That's the call of missions. As we conclude this morning, this brings us back to Jesus. Saw at the beginning of this study, we read in the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as the greater Jonah. The greater Jonah. How many of us know from the time of Adam, man has, has failed time and again. God calls them to live a certain way. God calls them to, calls them to live in a way that represents his heart. But man continually fa falls and fails. It started with Adam. We see it throughout. We see it with Jonah. But Jesus, the greater Jonah, the one who came not for the healthy and the righteous, but for the sick and the sinful. Jesus, to reconcile sinners to God, even the worst of sinners. And so the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5, 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ dies. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is still the greater Jonah. Amen. For through Jesus, the grace of God has been and continues to be extended to all who will turn from their sin and call upon his name. So sinners might be reconciled to God that is brought back into relationship with God, the creator God, but now he becomes their heavenly father. Listen, in the end, it's true. Grace doesn't always make sense to us, does it? It doesn't make sense that you and I even but thank God that we can still say, we can still sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. Praise the Lord. God, this morning, aren't you thankful? Come on, will you stand to your feet? Will you stand together?